0: What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? In this time that we have left, I wanna give parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends, God's counsel on maleness and femaleness. I have three kids. You guys have seen them running around. I am a youth pastor, so I've had to deal with some of these situations more than I would say I would like or care to. But through that time and through that study of it, Uh, come to terms with what it does mean to be a man and what it does mean to be a woman, if you're somewhere to ask you. So what I'm trying to do now, though, is I'm assuming everyone here today is a follower of Jesus Christ. So when I'm speaking to you, I'm speaking to people that want to submit themselves under the Word of God. As much as I can, I'm not trying to share my opinion on things. I'm just trying to give you God's Word and let God's Word work. At Faith Baptist Church, the position we come to when it comes to maleness and femaleness is a term called complementarianism, and this is what it means. God created man in his own image into genders distinctly male and female. Man and woman are equal in essence, but have distinct roles which reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. The husband in the marital relationship will exercise headship in a way that displays care and sacrificial love of Christ, and the wife submitting to her husband in a way that models the love of the church for her Lord. These divinely ordained differences that God has made does not mean that men and women were not equal in value or worth, but these differences God made for our good and his pleasure. Turn with me as we set the foundation in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 today because I want to take you right from the beginning as God made us. Genesis chapter 1. We'll go ahead and read verse 27. Here's what the Word of God says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We have, the first point is, God made man and woman in his image, and we have the capacity to be like God. What does that mean? Think, feel, and do, just like God does. Secondarily, man and woman were given joint rule over creation, Uh, Let's look at them. He said, verse 28, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds, and over the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, man and woman were given joint rule over creation. Now turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Within the rule... Man and woman were given distinct tasks. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Verse 18. The Lord God said, It's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And uh, sorry, drop down to verse 21. Uh, sorry, verse 20. But for Adam, there was not a, f- a helper found fit for him. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up in its flesh. And the rib rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his mother and his father and hold fast to his wife. They shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and not ashamed. You see right there in the passage I read, Adam was created outside of the garden and was charged to cultivate it and protect it. And Eve was created inside the garden, and she was created to flourish in there. God has endowed men, and we'll talk about this later, with biological more strength for this process to work in that way. Next thing, man was created before the woman. This is very significant position especially when it comes to why we have roles of pastors are only males, because God sees it as a creation order. Not that the woman is less of a person or doesn't have value or doesn't have intelligence, but he sees it as his creation order that the man was given that rule, that control, that leadership ability that's supposed to be lovingly set out. Ray Orton writes to this paradox, Was Eve Adams equal? Yes and no. She was his spiritual equal and suitable for him, but she was not his equal in that she was his helper. God did not create man and woman in an undifferential way, and their mere maleness and femaleness identify their respective roles. A man, just by virtue of his manhood, is called to lead for God, and a woman, by the virtue of her womanhood, is called to help for God. Now in this time, I want to give you the tools that I've given to the teens, and as I even talk with my kids, of what does it mean if Amari comes up to me, Daddy, what does it mean to be a male? Or Layla comes up to me, Daddy, what does it mean to be a female? What am I going to say to them? There's two books that I would encourage you all to get. One of them, uh, and I've relied heavily upon them today, one of them is by Pastor Kevin DeYoung. It's called Men and Women in the Church. Great book. He does a great study on this topic. And then there's another book that's meant for kids. It's by... um, It's God made boys and girls helping children understand the gift of gender. In Kevin DeYoung's book, here's how he identifies the differences between male and female. Uh, Five things. He calls it the ABCs of it. He says one is appearance. Second one is body. C is character. D is demeanor. And E is eager posture. And sorry that it's going to be a little bit confusing, but I want to go from... E, start off how the Bible flows it out, okay? So the first one is what differentiates male and female is E, eager posture. Uh, Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. As we said before, Adam was created first. He was charged with naming the animals. He was given the command that he could eat of every tree of the garden except one, He was given that responsibility. Eve was created to be his helper. Helper, though in our society, is seen as demeaning, but it's not demeaning. Even in fact, God is often called the helper of his people in the Old Testament. At the same time, Genesis 2 affirms that by God's design, according to the order of creation, the woman is to help her husband. That is the eager position. So what does it look like? Biblical masculinity is displayed by a sense of benevolent responsibility to tend to God's creation, provide and protect others, and express loving, sacrificial leadership. Biblical femininity is displayed in a gracious disposition to cultivate life and to help others flourish and affirm, receive and nurture, uh, strengthen the leadership of the husband. This posture does not mean that the husband never helps the wife. And it doesn't mean that the wife never exercises leadership. But what this posture is saying and what Kevin DeYoung says often, what I will say is it's more of a that men need to stand up. Men need to take the lead. In First Corinthians, it talks to men specifically. Apostle Paul says that we should act like men. There is wired inside of man to have that leadership capability. Uh, One illustration that I have found is if there was a burglar that was coming into the house, I tested this on the teens today, um, would you expect that, okay, it's me, Amanda, and my three kids, would you expect if a burglar comes into the house that I go and I tell Amanda, hey, you go out and check what's going on, and I'll be all right. Would that be, or I say, hey, Amari, Go check what's going on. And, and yeah, it just, re- no, it would be expecting, but it's natural for the man to say, I am the leader, even if it's not necessarily stronger, but I am the leader. I am going to take that position of, remember, sacrificial or servant leadership to willingly give of myself. That's the mindset. So this leadership is not domineering. It's servanthood. It's caring. Too often, when we hear this term, and this is why it's difficult for lost people, when they hear this term, submit, it's like, oh, the woman's supposed to submit. That means she just has to obey an ogre. No, what the husband is supposed to do is he's supposed to, that word submit could be under the vision. What the husband is supposed to do is set a vision of how the home is supposed to be, and the wife comes under that. But she'll gladly want to because he's set such a godly example. That's the eager posture. That's the first one. Second one is be body. You guys have seen in the videos, uh, there's distinctness in male and females, but this is what the world thinks. It says things like this. Anatomy isn't destiny, or they'll say sexual orientation determines who you want to go to bed with, and gender identity determines who you want to go to bed as. Or another one, so this way of thinking asserts that your sex, your sexual orientation, whom you are attracted to, and your gender identity, who you understand yourself to be, are separate and not necessarily correlated. And even though this may be scandalous in our day and age, and we might get kicked off YouTube because I say this, the Bible rejects this understanding completely. Our gender, being created as male and female, being man or woman, is a gift from God. It is a gift that he's given us. Let me give you God's perspective, the word of God, what it says. Leviticus 18, verse 22. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is abomination. The world claims orientation is more essential than your biological sex. It further claims that gender is a concept and our actions, therefore, should correspond to this. But the Bible tells a different story, A man has a body that is uniquely, first, it fits in a one flesh union with the woman. It's by design. And that's why in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves a due penalty for their areas. Our bodies were designed to fulfill the creation mandate, to fill the earth, to replenish it, to multiply, to subdue. Our bodies were created by God. Our genders, as simple as it is, men have what chromosome? Go ahead, say it out loud. XY chromosome and women have a XX chromosome. The genetic code is in everything in our bodies. It's in our fingers, our toes, our eyes, our ears, the color of our skin. Differences between boys and girls are extensive, not only in our reproductive organs, but let me just give you one example. In Yale Medicine Magazine, one of the things that's unique is they write an article uh, in 2020 that they are talking about that they should allow kids to start the gender transition surgery before puberty so that they don't get made fun of in school. That's one article there. You go to another article, and I looked up, because I've always heard this, that do women have more likelihood of ACL injuries? In fact, in the same source, Yale Medicine, women athletes are two to eight times more likely to experience ACL tears. Why is this quote from their article? anatomically men and women are not created equal when i saw that i literally almost fell down to the ground and dropped because i read this article here and then this article here here's what they say the female pelvis is wider which changes the mechanics of how the thighs bone and tibia and femur function says dr garner this puts more stress on the soft tissues that support your joints she explains and while some people will say, this isn't fair, this isn't difference. do you know what? This was, side note, this was by God's design that the adult female pelvis has a wider to help with the features of childbirth, of giving life. This was all by his design for his good to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Basic biology understands that men do have larger hearts, larger lungs, and more muscle mass. Men have testosterone that is there. So it's inconceivable now in our day and age to have men compete in women's sports. It's inconceivable. You see, we have an eager posture, we have a body, and then we have the appearance. In December 2020, the first man appeared on the cover of Vogue magazine. One newspaper called Vogue magazine the fashion Bible. It's read by 11 million people in the United States and 12.5 million people around the world. The cover photo of Vogue magazine is, um, the point is, it's not a woman in women's fashion magazine. It's a man, and that man's name was Harry Styles. The cover says this, Harry Styles makes his own rules, and he quotes, anytime you're putting barriers up in your life, you're limiting yourself. For him, not to be able to express himself with females' clothes means he is being limited. So he is in a dress that's flowing down. And he has uh, multicolored rings that are on. And he's just looking effeminate, but he's saying he's able to express himself. And with the moral revolution that's going on, let me uh, share with you some, what some actresses said in response. One actress, Olivia Wilde, speaking of uh, celebrity, Harry Styles says this, To me, he's a very modern, and I hope that this brand of confidence as a male that Harry has, truly devoid of any traces of toxic masculinity, is indicative of his generation and therefore the future of the world. I think he is in many ways championing that, spearheading that. It's really powerful, the kind of extraordinary, to see someone in his position redefining what it can mean to be a man with confidence. Or another observer He's really in touch with his feminine side because it's something natural. And he's a big inspiration to a younger generation about how you can totally be free when you feel comfortable. I think that's revolutionary. I don't think that's revolutionary. I think, it, sadly, it's an abomination. What is God's perspective on the appearance of male and female? 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 11, verse 6 says this. For if a wife will not cover her head, then she should cut her hair. But, she is, but since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. First Corinthians 11, 13, 15. Judge for yourself. It's proper for a wife to pray to God with her head uncovered. But does not nature teach itself that if, you, if a man wears long hair, it's a disgrace for him? But if a woman has a long hair, it's her glory. For her hair is given to her for covering. Paul's argument here in 1 Corinthians 11 is complicated, but at its core it's asserting that confusing the appearances of gender is contrary to nature. Kevin DeYoung writes, When Paul says that nature itself teaches long hair is a disgrace, he's not making a universal statement about hair length. He's asserting a universal principle that the confusion of sexes is contrary to nature. His point seems to be that intuitively people know men and women are different and should look different. And those differences have a foundation. Men should not seem like women or express themselves in a feminine way, nor should women express themselves in a masculine way or seem to look like them. So how can we apply it today? Does, it, does nature not assert yourself that a man, if he's wearing a dress, it's a disgrace? Does nature not assert itself that if a man is putting on lipstick or wearing nail polish, that it is a disgrace? The Bible doesn't give every detail that we might want on this topic, but at least it affirms this. It's disgraceful for a woman to appear as a man and a man to appear as a woman. That's the foundation of 1 Corinthians 11. Next one, D, demeanor. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7, and 8 says this, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Verse 11. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Notice what Paul is doing in this passage, and he's talking about demeanor. He describes his own ministry among the Thessalonians like that of a nursing mother. Gentle, affectionate, nurturing, sacrificial. Secondarily, he's describing his ministry as a father, full of exhortation, encouragement, and leadership. Paul identifies these demeanors as corresponding to gender. What Paul is not doing is suggesting that one set of virtues is exclusively feminine or exclusively masculine. After all, he describes himself as a nursing mother. What he's doing is saying that certain demeanors, the way that men and women conduct themselves, naturally fall along gender lines. When Paul thinks of nurture, affection, and gentleness, he thinks of a mother. When he thinks of exhortation, discipline, and charge, he thinks of a father. And while it's true each man and each woman are unique, no matter what personality types are, Fathers generally are marked by exhortation and mothering by nurturing demeanor. And in fact, this is true also, and it plays out in society because you hear so often of the fatherless generation. And what's happening is young men don't have that exhortation, authoritative role, discipline, and charge from the father upon their life. It doesn't mean that moms aren't doing their job and doing the best that they can but God wired it that the family is supposed to be two that are together working in union with one another. I understand this principle is tricky in our day because what can tend to happen is we have one-dimensional cultural stereotypes of what men and women are supposed to do. Real men drive pickup trucks and hunt and fish and watch football. Real women bake cookies and sew, share their feelings and watch Hallmark. Okay, that's the stereotypes stereotypes they can be harmful when they function as the standard when our society places this on gender they don't fit you see there are some girls that love to sing and dance while others do love to play sports and play with bugs there's some girls that love to cook while others love to play with cars there's some boys that love to wrestle while others love to sing there's some boys that love to play in the mud while others love to cook the problem with letting our culture be determinative and not the word of God is, it creates confusion. There is a d- diversity in the Bible in the portrayal of sexes. Women are cooks and seamstresses. They help build cities, judge Israel, deal in real estate, run businesses, even kill God's enemies. Men are shepherds, farmers, metal workers, musicians, cooks, warriors, fighters, gentle, sensitive men who weep and men who embrace. That the diversity doesn't nullify or contradict the different roles and responsibilities. Rather, our focus should be on the demeanor that God's word puts. Lastly, what would I tell my son or daughter is C, character. 1 Peter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if you do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. He is exhorting men to show honor, to be understanding, and exercising caring leadership. Peter's exhorting the women to be respectful, pure, and gentle. And he's contrasting two things— female beauty, and male strength. Do not uh, universally true? In the most broad sense, most women naturally do pay more attention to their external beauty. They, they are more inclined to it. I share with the teens this morning, my wife has to remind me if I have crusties on my eyes when I walk up the house, I'm not necessarily inclined to pay attention to my external beauty, if that is. Um, they naturally do that. So God knows that women are wired for beauty. So, what He says to them in this passage is since you're naturally wired for it, don't just think of your external beauty. Think of your internal beauty in your character, in your conduct, how you behave. Men are naturally physically stronger and more interested in the physical nature and wired for strength and to take risks. But He's saying to them, be tender hearted sacrificing, and risk-taking. Sadly, what happens in our society is this conflation of, oh, well, men are strong and women aren't strong. And that's not the case. But now what you see in a lot of movies now is, back in the day, the movies used to be that the women were the damsel in distress and they're waiting on Prince Charming to come save them. Now, in modern movies, women are expected to be six foot, uh, hundred uh, pounds, and they have muscles like n- no other. So they're supposed to be like men. So now what's happened is people don't realize they have allowed the world standard of strength to get pushed down onto them. So now women think, in order to be strong, I need to be like a man. It's the furthest thing from the truth. This is what happens when we allow society to dictate for us what it means to be a male and what it means to be a female. You see, our appearance Our body, our character, our demeanor, our eager posture are different. But God made us different for his glory. He made us different for our good. And we are different. And but in that different, in that unity that we have there, we can best glorify God when we live according to what he desires for us. So now though, as we watched the earlier videos of just the devastation and destruction of what's happening with the transgender movement. Is there any hope? I know we are almost over on time, but I, you have to watch this last clip of a woman who goes from transgendered to transformed.
1: As a little girl, I was uh, full of energy. I was very hyper, I was very athletic. I had a, a really hard relationship with my mom my mom was very quiet and my mom was much closer to my brother that was the very quiet obedient child and so I really began to believe that boys were loved more I think just very early in life began to believe a lie that um, that I wasn't loved as a girl and everything in life sort of got put through this lens of I should have been a boy when I was eight years old I was molested by a boy that was only a year older than me and that really began to change me and I became very sexualized I got into pornography as a like middle school age and so in high school I was trying to be more of a girl be more feminine to get the attention of the boys but as I did I began sleeping around a lot and just giving them whatever they wanted and the more I did that the more they just treated me like absolute trash it was after that that I really started to run away from the Lord and I told God that I would never serve Him again. And so over the next few years in college, I got more and more into pornography. I started going all over the state just for random sexual encounters that I would find online. And it was like, nothing was satisfying anymore. And so I began to remember all the fantasies I had as a child of feeling like a boy. I said, that's the problem here. That's why I'm never happy, because I was supposed to be the man in the relationship. And I I hear about this transgender uh, identity. And so I went to a support group meeting, and I was amazed that all of a sudden, here are all these people telling me how wonderful this is and how brave I am for coming out. And uh, they said, in a couple of years, no one's ever even going to know you were a female. I just wanted to be a man and completely forget that I had ever been born female. I really wanted to erase the existence of Laura. I began to transition, I began to take the hormones, and at first it was the greatest thing ever. I was just on cloud nine. I started to begin to grow facial hair, and began to grow a beard and sideburns, and my voice began to get lower. Even the body shape began to change a little bit. In 2009, I had my name legally changed and uh, eventually, later that year, I went to have my chest surgery and had a double mastectomy with a chest reconstruction to look like a male chest. And I thought this was the epitome of everything I'd ever wanted. As I was laying there on the table and I was looking down at my chest before the doctor came in and I could see these purple dotted cut lines where he was going to cut me open and I really began to be afraid. I thought, what if I don't wake up from this? What if I really am in the hands of Satan? Because even in all my times of rebellion, I knew that God was real. And so I just prayed, and I asked God to spare my life. After the surgery was over, I quickly forgot God. I forgot my prayer. Even though I was really excited about the results, and I liked how it looked physically, I realized that my surgery hadn't made me a man. I was legally male and I could look down at my license and my birth certificate and it said male. I still in the same person just without breasts. And that was devastating to me because I really had believed that I would become a man. I had hardly talked to my parents in years other than I would call them for an occasional birthday or something like that where I felt obligated. Um, but one day my mom asked me to make a website for her Bible study. And I didn't have any interest in the Bible, but I thought, okay, I'll I'll make a website for you. And as I began to read her notes, I was blown away by what I was reading. And I thought, I have never seen the Bible like this. I had always thought of the Bible as God's rule book. I'm seeing the character and the heart of God. And I began to see a loving and faithful God, not the angry, judgmental God that I had always seen before. I called her one day and I said, Mom, you've got to explain some of this to me. And I was so curious, I called her again the next day and again the next day. And all of a sudden, I went from never talking to her to talking to her every single day. And I would call her after work, and I just couldn't wait to talk to Mom at the end of the day. And then one day, um, something had happened, and I don't remember what, some kind of crisis had come up in my life. And I'll never forget that day. She said, Honey, you just need to trust the Lord. And I was like, I was blown away at that moment, because I had never heard my mom say that. And I said, Mom, what has happened to you? You are a totally different person from the one I grew up with. And she had been so radically transformed. And it was at that moment that I knew the gospel was true, that I knew that Christ was alive, and that there was a transforming power, because I could see how my mom had just been totally changed. And so that night, I I prayed. And I asked the Lord into my heart. But I really wanted to be a man of God. And I thought, um, this is great. Now I can find my identity in Christ. But I thought I could still stay as a man. Because as much as I had realized I couldn't be a man, I could not face being a female. There was so much pain attached because of what all those guys had done, all the lies I had believed all my life. I felt like it was a shameful thing to be a female. But after about a month of just crying out to the Lord, night after night after night, I had a clear vision of Jesus Christ himself getting down on one knee. He reached his hand into the pit and he said, do you trust me? And I remember at that moment thinking, if I take his hand, he's asking me to leave everything. But I knew it was my only way out. I knew I was never going to have peace if I didn't. And so I did, I took his hand, I walked away from my entire identity, my partner, my job, my financial security, the life that I had built for myself and left it all to follow Christ. I I had made the decision to, to move home. My mom gave me this pile of cards from these women in her Bible study. And I said, Mom, what is this? And she said, these women have been writing cards to you. They're so proud of you. They're so excited to meet you. I looked at these cards, and... They weren't just signing their name to a nice card. Most of them had poured out their heart to me and told me how they'd been praying for me. And on top of that, they had raised over $1,600 to buy me a new wardrobe. The next morning when I showed up at the Bible study, they surrounded me with more love and joy and hugs than I've ever felt from women in my life. They were so overjoyed at seeing their prayers of years answered. And it was at that moment that I was flooded with love from women, and I felt loved as a woman. And it was like that transgender lie just broke, and I knew I was not meant to be a man. So many transgenders I know get to a point where they realize the same thing I did, that it's not real. And you keep drifting through life, thinking this is the best it's ever going to get. You have no idea the life that God has for you. You can change your outward appearance. You can change your body, but ultimately you are who God created you to be, and you were put on this earth for His purpose. I want others, first of all, to fall madly in love with Jesus and with this faithful, loving God. I think most people have such a wrong perception of God like I did, and they think that God hates them. God loves you more than you could ever even imagine.
0: God that loves us and cares for us so when it comes to the gift of gender let's live according to his way let's pray father I come to you again today and just thank you so much for your word that your word is true and it's alive I just pray Lord that uh, you would help us as we are interacting with our kids our friends and family members that we would have compassion and grace and patience Lord um, there, are, there is a lot of confusion that's going out in the world, Lord, but I pray that we can bring biblical truth to that. We thank you for this day. In your name, amen.